Welcome to the Joy of Marketing with me, Andrew Veach. Joining us from San Mateo is Finbar Taylor, the founder and CEO of Shogun. Uh, Shogun is the top page builder app on Shopify and other e-commerce platforms. I'm also very impressed that Shogun was on the list of the most valuable Y Combinator companies. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Andrew. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Great to be chatting with you today. I have to say, and I do envy you being in California while I'm in, <laughs> I'm in snow in Scotland at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, pretty, pretty nice weather around here today. Can't complain. Cool. So um, how many sites are you powering now at uh, Shogun? Um, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 active. Um, it's a little hard to calculate because people can actually install the software, build their whole site, and then uninstall. Um, so we're, we're kind of, we, we have about 20,000 active customers, okay. but all time we've had way more people sign up, use it, build their site, and then uninstall. So yeah. it's a lot. Uh, we're, you know, we're powering millions of dollars a day in, in transactions. That's something that we track. Yeah. Cool. And I guess I suppose one of the things I thought would be useful is because you've seen such an enormous number of tests on these landing pages, I thought you might actually be getting an understanding of, of what's working and what isn't, which might be useful for our, our listeners. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, to be honest, so many different things work. I think you just have to try out things. Um, every vertical is a little bit different. You know, I've seen some really good uh, tests recently where it's a very simple page and they just have some pretty interesting rules around discounting. Um, so, you know, things like buy two, get one free, or you have like an accumulating discount that over the number of things you add, it increases over time. Um, honestly, I, I tend to find that one of two things works really well, either extremely beautiful merchandising in a long form format where you can kind of scroll really far down the page and see like a ton of content yeah. or alternatively keeping it incredibly simple and, uh, you know, maybe having some advanced discounting rules and things like this. And I would say too, I mean, just from my own experience, obviously doing testing, I would say I've generally found it's the bigger things that make a difference. I mean, changing a color here, changing a font there, but it's something like, as you say, somebody will like around price often makes um, a difference or yeah. um, photography. But I think I've certainly found, although I have read people claiming that changing a color or something has a big impact, I have to say that's not something I've ever, I've ever noticed. No, I've never seen it myself. It tends to be bigger changes. Pricing is one of the biggest levers you can pull uh, when it comes to you know influencing your conversion rate. I mean, we we recently have started to notice a lot of case studies coming out where page speed also can have a big impact on conversion rate, and we've seen it ourselves firsthand with uh, you know one of our customers who's launched our new product. Um, but that's not really a you know an A/B test of content. That's kind no. of improving the, the infrastructure behind your store. Well, I've, I've certainly heard that. And by, I mean, by speed, well, it's obvious if it's taking a few seconds, then, then clearly that's going to put people off. Um, but I mean, when you're sort of talking about, you know, half a second, 200 milliseconds, I mean, does that, does that really make any difference? I think it's, you know, if you think about where the traffic is often coming from, uh, so much um, traffic is coming from things like Facebook ads or Instagram ads, where you're, you're having people that are scrolling through a feed of content and it's real time. It's an application, you know, like Instagram or Facebook, they're native mobile apps and there's no delay on anything you're doing there. And if you suddenly click to an ad where the website doesn't have that snappy feel, the same as Facebook or Instagram, you're kind of in that browsing mode where you, you're impatient and you're just going to quit the site. Um, so I, I don't think that the difference between 
300 milliseconds and 200 milliseconds makes a difference. But there's a massive difference between a couple of seconds and 500 milliseconds. It's really about the perception of speed. Um, you know, and I think human eye perception is, you know, it's doesn't doesn't get that far down. Um, you know, it's it's on the order of hundreds of milliseconds, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I, I guess there's also an, an issue about credibility and trust. I mean, fundamentally, if I'm on a website that's running very slow, just a, I, mean, I suppose it'd be the equivalent of going into a, a normal retail store and it being a bit dirty, isn't it? It would just give yeah. you a it would just give you a really bad impression of the company, and you think, well, if they've not got their website working properly. Is their customer service going to work properly? Is their shipping going to work properly? Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also, you know, so many stores, the mobile experience is where people have problems. It might work absolutely fine on desktop, but so much of the traffic is now mobile. We, we have a lot of clients where 70% of their traffic is mobile and 70% of their sales are desktop, which tells you that they have an opportunity to improve their mobile conversion rates. Um, and the mobile experience on so many sites is just pretty janky, kind of broken feeling. Yeah, I think the best way, honestly, to improve conversion rates is just to have a really seamless shopping experience. Yeah, and in terms of, of your product, does that go all the way into the checkout as well? We do everything up to the point of checkouts. We actually have two products. So with, with Page Builder, you know, we're helping people to augment their existing storefronts. And with our second product, Shogun Frontend, we're kind of replacing the storefront. But in both cases... Uh, we don't handle the checkout. It's everything up to okay. the point of checkout. Okay, great. Well, I think too, I mean, I think now we're getting to a pretty standard layout for checkouts. I think when I started off, everyone did checkouts in a slightly different way, whereas I think we've now hit the point, we've kind of worked out what the optimum checkout is and pretty much everyone is is, is doing the same thing. Um, but just, yeah, just going on to that. So, I mean, headless e-commerce, I'm hearing is this buzzword, um, and I have to make, even though I am in the e-commerce industry myself, I I, I don't really understand it. <laughs> yeah. So I know you've launched this headless product, but perhaps if you could just explain the concept of headless. Yeah, it's it's actually honestly there, there's so many def- definitions out there, but I think it's very straightforward. Headless commerce just means you're using a different piece of technology for the back end and the front end. So perhaps you're using Shopify or Big Commerce for your e-commerce back end engine. And then you're using something completely different. You know, uh, big commerce promotes WordPress as a possible front-end option. But you might build a custom application. Often people are building progressive web apps, which is a popular way of doing headless commerce. Uh, but headless just means different back-end and front-end. Right. So I guess, obviously, as a, as a sort of former developer, I'm immediately thinking, well, that does sound like double the work. <laughs> because instead of one platform, I've now got two platforms to, to worry about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a tra- it's definitely not for everybody, and there's a trade off around what are the advantages that you're going to gain, and what are you going to give up by you know adopting a second piece of technology for the front end. Typically, the advantages and the reasons that people are doing it are around performance and greater flexibility on content management. So, if you're struggling with the performance of your storefront, or you're really struggling with the content management tools that you have right now. Um, those are both good reasons to think about whether a headless, you know, decoupled front end is, is appropriate for you. And it tends to be that the larger a store gets, the more they run into the limitations of the platform that they're working on, the more they start to think, oh, I really, you know, to, to take my business to the next level, I need finer grain control. I need more customization than I'm, I'm getting right now. Sure. And I guess the positive is that although changing the back end is an absolutely enormous 
and incredibly difficult undertaking, which I think, and, and you know, I mean, I mean, the one time I've done it, I think it took me a year. Um, but I would imagine changing the the front end isn't quite such a bad thing to do because you're not going to have to worry about changing people's passwords and all this sort of stuff. Um, right, it's much quicker uh, to change the front end. I mean. You know, you you can get some some of these sites are getting up and running. You know, very 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 quickly. You know, some in some cases a month or less. And I think that the time to implement these kind of headless storefronts is only going to decrease over time. You know, we, we're one of our major goals is to make it uh, possible to get it up and running same day uh, as a company. So um, there's a lot of work to be done. I think it's still fairly a fairly nascent uh, approach. Um, you know, a kind of emerging approach to e-commerce. We're seeing that you know a lot of folks have great results with it, so it's, it's an interesting space to watch. And I mean, are you seeing smaller companies going headless, or is it just really the the sort of much bigger bigger businesses? I think it really you know it comes down to for every business as kind of a cost benefit analysis, and and really we start to see it make sense for companies when they're doing three, four, five million GMV and up. Um, you know, so if you're doing five million GMV and you have a slow storefront. There's lots of things you can be doing to optimize your storefront. You know, you can change the content, you can change the pricing, you can do, try all different kinds of things. But if your storefront is slow, one thing you can do is increase the performance of the storefront. Uh, and you know, even if at, at five million GMV you see a ten percent increase in conversion, that's five, suddenly five hundred thousand extra a year. Um, and we're seeing a lot of folks doing this that are seeing a much larger increase in conversion. You know, twenty, twenty-five percent, this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That obviously makes sense because, um, uh, I mean, I mean, clearly a, a small percentage change is really only going to make much difference once you're at higher, higher revenue. And, you know, I, I went through that at Diet Chef, and I think, you know, when when we started out, I think month one, you know, we would it was three hundred pounds revenue. So obviously, a few percent of that makes no difference. But then once you're right. up to they say two million in a month, suddenly it's it's quite a big number. Yeah. yeah, the the bigger you get, the more impactful it is to just move your conversion rate by one one percent. Yeah, um, and so just something to catch, go back to something you said earlier. You mentioned PWA, Progressive Web Application. Now, again, that is a term I've heard used quite a few times. I I'm not very clear exactly what it is. A lot of people conflate headless with PWA. They're different things. You know, headless means different backend and front end. PWA is just one technological approach you can take to building a decoupled front end. And a progressive web app, it's a standard that has been perfected and, and um, proposed by Google. And it's kind of like a set of checkboxes that you have to tick in order to have a fast website. There's a lot of different ways to build a progressive web app. But essentially what it does is it turns your website into a web application. And the upshot is it feels like a native mobile app, but it's in the browser. So it makes your website much, much faster, and you achieve that by just a fundamentally different te- uh, technological approach. Um, and a, building progressive web apps is pretty complex, um, and it's kind of part of the problem that we're setting out to solve with, with Sugar and Frontend. But um, I don't know how much technical detail you'd like me to go into. I can kind of go into exactly, um, exactly what it means or I, a little bit of that. I think let, let's actually not dive too far into that because um, I think there's a danger that we could both <laughs> geek out overly yeah. on this. As this is this is a, sort of a marketing podcast, um, yeah, sure. But I think just just though very briefly. So the idea is that the whole app is downloaded first, and then it takes the changes. Is that broadly? Yeah. Broadly so it? traditional website 
when you click between pages, your web browser is doing a complete refresh and a complete request to the back end and kind of unloading the whole contents and reloading it. It's a very slow and cumbersome process. With a progressive web app, the way it works is you have the first load of the website, uh, which is kind of a, a normal load for, you know, for that first page. But when you click between pages, it's done a lot of prefetching and a lot of preloading, and it only swaps out the part of the pages that have changed. So you have this kind of instantaneous click between pages. And you can see that, you know, with, with a lot of people that have launched progressive web apps, first load feels kind of normal, but the second, you know, the secondary and tertiary clicks, they're instantaneous. And, and that's where you're getting the lift and conversion rate. Got it. And do you know, I actually do understand that because that is how the Machine Labs app works, that it is a, some sort of JavaScript that's downloaded that then right. is an app from that moment onwards. So, yeah, and I guess Facebook is the same, isn't it? So it's taking that technology and applying it. Yeah, so I mean, there, there's there's a slight further distinction between a progressive web app and a single page app. A, lo a lot of JavaScript uh, applications are not SEO friendly, but a progressive web app is SEO friendly. And the reason it's called a progressive web app is you're downloading pure HTML up front, and then it progressively is enhanced into a web application. So it's still totally SEO friendly and fully crawlable by Google. Then it becomes a web app after the fact, which is what makes it super fast. Great. And actually, just, just on that subject of SEO, I mean, that's obviously of some importance. And again, I, I'm, I often kind of wonder exactly how much importance on the consumer side it really is. Um, I, again, when I started out and you did a search on Google, it, it was mainly organic results coming back. But now in some of the terms, when I search on my, my phone, I, I'm purely seeing paid adverts. <laughs> so, I, so I guess on some terms of the SEO was maybe less important than it was. Um, but I take it if you're doing the front end, you, you're going to have to be taking over some of that. Uh, and I guess generate, do you generate site maps and things like that within? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, with, with any any um, modern website, there's a bunch of things to consider. Um, you know, you have um, obviously SEO friendliness, um, you have accessibility, uh, you have performance, you know, and, and kind of conforming to best practices. And so we, we're kind of taking account of, all, you know, and looking at all these things. But certainly, yeah, and, and Google has even said that, you know, they're they're starting to weight performance much more heavily in their search rankings. Because um, they're seeing, you know, they're big. They've been big proponents for years of, you know, speed equals conversion. And they're, they're kind of seeing that, you know, their ads convert much better when a, a website is faster, and it's kind of in their interest for ads to convert better because then people will, you know, keep paying for the ads. Finbar, I know that you are um, obviously a B two B business, um, but you've grown incredibly quickly. So I'm just wondering if there's actually any thoughts you have on marketing that might be useful for our um, b2c audience yeah absolutely i think you know we, we've done marketing in, in a bunch of different ways um some of our acquisition is through the shopify app store or the big commerce app store which is kind of a platform play um you know similarly in e-commerce you can go to platforms like marketplaces like amazon and walmart and so on more recently we've been spending heavily into um, investing in content marketing um, and our the traffic to our website grew absolutely massively last year. It's kind of an effort that you don't see immediate results from. You have to work on it over a prolonged period of time, make content that um, you know uh, meets the demand of certain uh, Google users where they're searching for something they're not quite finding. You can find a lot of opportunities um, using tools like um, 
uh, SEO Moz and, and some others, um, where you can basically find w- how your website ranks for tons of different keywords and track it over time and find new opportunities for keywords um, where you, you, they might be of interest to your customers, but you don't currently rank for them. And then you kind of start writing content and you start making uh, you know, larger long form articles related to specific uh, keywords. And you, you end up actually ranking really well on Google for all those things. So we've had great success with that. It's driving quite a lot of traffic to our, our website now, and it's really growing incredibly quickly. Um, other things that we've been doing, we do webinars um, you know, for our, our partners. Um, those are pretty well attended. Uh, and we do some paid acquisition as well uh, through Google. And um, more recently, we've been trying out LinkedIn too, uh, although it's, it's been quite expensive so far. Uh, but it's you know a, l- a lot of different approaches. We actually just hired a chief marketing officer. Uh, very excited to to have uh, have that person join the team and kind of help us take it to the next level. Yeah, well that's that's great. I, I, I do think a lot of that stuff is very applicable. Um, and if we look at our second episode, we had Mark um, actually in the dog food business, um, and he was using SEO on problems with 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 dogs' house health, um, plus doing. Um, you know, a lot of video. So I think I think that I think there's definitely a lot of crossover between content um, and uh, and e-commerce. And also, I think content gives a lot of trust. It, it definitely does. In, in our case, you know, we, if you look at our website, you look at our blog, you see the types of content. It's not always content about how to use a landing page builder. Often, it might be content around just how to solve a specific problem that people are searching for how to solve, and it's an adjacent problem to the kind of problems that we're helping people solve. And I tell you, the other thing that does strike me as being very relevant is the enormous numbers of reviews um, for Shogun that are online. And certainly reviews is one thing that whether it's software um, or whether it's e-commerce, reviews are absolutely vital. Yeah, they're they're huge. I I think we've done a pretty good job of kind of cultivating, you know, genuine reviews over the years from, from our customers and just finding the appropriate way to ask, finding the appropriate moment to ask for a review um, is really the key to getting great reviews. It's absolutely true. Because I think if you you certainly if you ask too early, I mean that's the problem because they haven't yet formed an opinion. But equally, you don't want to leave it too late um, right. when they've pretty much moved on. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of want to catch them right when they're receiving value from your product, um, which you know may, may be difficult to do. But if you if you're shipping somebody out a product and you know that it's something they're going to get use of within a certain number of days of opening the product, then you just need to try and find the optimal number of days or hours yeah. to wait before yeah. asking them for a review. Yeah. Well, that was great. So thank you very much. Uh, I think we've all learned a lot. I've certainly learned a lot. I think I now understand headless and PWA, which is which is actually quite good as I am in the e-commerce uh, industry. <laughs> also, I'd just like to take a moment to thank you for the generous help uh, you've given me, actually, at Machine Labs um, over the past year. You know, it's been really appreciated uh, that you sort of have made the time and give me some advice. Um, Absolutely. And uh, for the listeners, if you'd like to increase your e-commerce sales, uh, please do try out the Shogun app for page building or the Machine Labs app for email and database marketing, uh, both in the Shopify app store and uh, Shogun on uh, many other e-commerce platforms too. Uh, So that's it for now. See you next week for another Joy of Marketing.